Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and we're going to be talking about it in relation to the epistle to the Philippians. Who were the Philippians? Well, it was a mining colony originally, and it began, you know, 300 years before by the Greek Philip, who was related, of course, to Alexander the Great, but... That was really successful as a city when it was settled by the Romans after the civil war that took place between Augustus and Mark Anthony and Brutus and others who were a part of the people who were trying to restore the Republic. There was a Republic 500 years before, before Philippia was even founded. And it was the Roman Republic when they threw out the Tarquinian kings and designed a government with foreknowledge of what the Israelites did when they left Egypt. They understood what a republic was. Most Americans today don't understand what a republic is. They think a republic is a constitutional democracy, but it is not. You do not elect lawmakers in a republic. You elect titular leaders. And you'll just have to go look up the definition of a republic. But that had all gone to the wayside because Rome, 150, 200 years before, began to become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others. And, of course, a Greek historian was recording this trend in society and was pointing out that the people would turn into perfect savages. They would, you know, like what Christ says, and, and the Bible tells us about, be careful you do not bite one another lest you be devoured. Same principle. Don't try to covet your neighbor's goods or you'll become merchandise. Same principle we see Peter repeating. Same principle that we see in Proverbs 1 and Proverbs uh, 10. Uh, about the common purse or one purse where people gather together in hopes of gain and begin the process of forcing their neighbors to contribute to their welfare, to their public school, to their health care, to the care of their elderly. They force their neighbor to take care of one another and they become accustomed to that and they think it's okay. Of course, that's a lie. That's not okay. That is covetous practices that will bring you into bondage and tangle you again in the elements of the world. It will be a snare to you. It will be a trap for you. tells you this in Psalms. It tells you this. uh, Paul tells you this, uh, quoting David in Psalms, that what should have been for your welfare will become a snare. And, of course, it has. And you are snared, and you are merchandise, and you are surety for debt. Your children are cursed with that debt. And you can go on to a website somewhere and look at the mounting American debt, U.S. debt. And it is just zooming up. Everybody is being born $100,000 in debt, $150,000. Not even counting your student loan. <laughs> just, Just you're in debt. Because you're a surety for a debt, because you're a beneficiary of a system that uses force 
to compel people to contribute to your welfare. That is not the perfect law of liberty. That is the opposite of the perfect law of liberty. You want to think you're at liberty. You want to think you're free. You're not. Paul is writing Christians who have realized that that covetous practice does not make you free. And he is showing them the way of Jesus Christ, which is to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, as opposed to fealty and force and violence, which is the way the world does it, which is foolishness. Samuel tells you that over and over again. All these people tell you that. You don't see it. Your pastors don't see it. Your pastors don't tell you. You want to go to church and feel good and think you're saved. Well, guess what? You're probably not. You're probably workers of iniquity. You're probably going to be cast out of the kingdom. You have no inheritance in the kingdom. Paul says if if you're covetous and all these other things, if you're doing them, you have no inheritance in the kingdom. That is the good news. If you will receive it, that is the good news because then your mind can be changed. If you think you've already got it, I can't. I can't help you change your mind. Ultimately, it's Christ working in you that changes your mind. And that's a daily journey, an individual daily journey, overcoming your selfishness. And Paul is writing Christians in Philippi and telling them some of these these are Christians who are actually following the ways. Not Christians like you see today. These are actual real Christians who are following the way. And you could become one of those if you actually listened to what Christ was saying when the apostles write the Bible and Paul writes the Bible and understand it. Everything comes together when you start understanding this because it is the message that was told to you from the beginning. So all you have to do is go back to the beginning and start all over again. So anyway, this mining town that was settled with a lot of uh, veterans, even marine veterans, because uh, Gustus was the emperor of, he was the commander-in-chief, that's what emperor means, of the army and the navy. And a lot of people went to Philippi to uh, settle uh, you know, uh, what people did when they were in the, uh, in the armies of Rome is that they were drafted, or usually not drafted, but they were signed up for 20 years. That was generally what it was. And you might sign up when you were 17, 18 years old, even maybe younger, if you had the size on you. And you would be signed up for 20 years, and you would get a pension at the end of that time. You are not likely to ever draw a sword in battle. If you were a centurion, most centurions during their career never drew a sword in battle. Hard to believe, but that's the truth. They were engineers, they were builders, they were going out and creating colonies and protecting those colonies, but they were protecting those colonies that had a purpose. They were either harbors or they were mining towns as well, and they understood how that was, and that this pension allowed them to retire at 38, 40 years old, and they still had a lot of their life over because they couldn't marry during that period. And so they put their life on hold, and because of that, they got a pension. But they also could, they understood military tactics because they did train for military tactics all the time because it was a rough world, and you never knew. They were literally originally kind of the militia 
of Rome. And we talked about that this morning's program, what the militia was. And the militia in America is everybody, every man between the ages of 17 and 45. Whether they sign anything or not, doesn't matter. If they're a U.S. citizen, they're in the militia. And the militia originally did things like build schools, build roads, and uh, contribute to the community, make the community healthier and stronger. And they also protected it from, you know, Indians or from Frenchmen or for anybody, you know, foreign invaders, domestic and foreign or whatever. And uh, they, you know, storms, what have you. They they were there. They were the local community volunteers that were helping defend and protect and provide for the community. And it brought people together by doing that actively. The idea of, well, I'm just going to send a check off on April 15th and then the government's going to make all my decisions for me and do all these things. We're not, not going to work. Not going to have a free nation. You know, one of the things I just added to their page, if you go to preparingyou.com, to study this and we have a lot of other studies on the Bible and we just have the Bible there and then but we put links to articles that we made we show you the Hebrew we show you the uh, uh, Greek and then you can go there and see for yourself and we, we use standard resources although sometimes we, we everything has footnotes so you can see where we get this information and put it all together but what I said was uh I talked uh, briefly about liturgos, which is a word that is where we get the word liturgy and how it's used. The term for minister is liturgos. And it also means this liturgy, and, and I have a link there to a whole article on liturgy, exactly what liturgy is. What liturgy is, is public service. A liturgos was a public minister, a servant of the state. But in the case of the church was appointed by Christ. It was the called out appointed by Christ. I appoint unto you a kingdom, he says. They were the servants of the state of freedom and the state of liberty for all those who wanted to sit down in the tens, hundreds of thousands and seek that kingdom of liberty under God according to the perfect law of liberty. I have another link in there so you can go read that article. They were doing certain things. And once you understand what they were doing, you'll have a better grasp of what Paul is writing to those Christians in Philippi and what what he was telling them. Now, Paul was writing this from his captivity in Rome. And, it, and his captivity in Rome was really under house arrest. I mean, his... Uh, what would it be? His niece-in-law, I guess, was actually the daughter of a king of England. And uh, he had a half-brother who was a Roman and very prominent Roman. And he had a son, and that son married the daughter of the king of England, uh, one of the kings of England. There wasn't a single king there. That we wouldn't see anything like that for a thousand years or more under William the Conqueror. And even William the Conqueror was not the only king in England. Most people don't understand that. He only defeated uh, the fellow who was opposing him, had loaned him was supposed to loan him aid and service and, and he put together an army to protect that King Harold and that King Harold there was actually another King Harold that wasn't in on that deal but that King Harold was defeated at uh, at the Battle of Hastings and he was now took his chattels and chooses in action he wasn't king of all of Great Britain he was only king of those people who fought against him 
with Harold, sided with Harold, and th- now he was king of that. Over the years to come, which was only took about 300 years, he pretty much consolidated his kingdom. Then you also have to consider him consolidating his kingdom in Scotland and Ireland because they weren't certainly a part of that. But eventually, and then eventually it becomes Great Britain. Long story short. But these are progressions. So when we use these terms, we need to understand their context at a particular time in history. And when they use the word religion then, it doesn't necessarily mean what it means now. Just as we talked this morning, the word religion doesn't mean the same in the Constitution as it does in the dictionaries today. There's a different definition back then, so you have to understand what they were talking about. We quoted John Adams and his references to a religion, but you have to understand what religion is. And this idea of being a public minister of religion, they had those all over Rome. And they ran religion to temples like the Temple of Saturn, where they registered your birth so they know that you were entitled to the benefits of religion of Saturn, where you would get free bread, etc., because you were a member of that religion. Christians were a member of another religion called Christianity. We eventually called it Christianity. They were still calling it Judaism at the time of Peter. They were still Jews. They were followers, Jews who followed Christ, but they took care of one another in a daily ministration of faith, hope, and charity, while the the system that was run through the temple by Herod and the system that was run through the temple of Saturn by Augustus was operating not simply by charity. There was some charity, but they were operating by forced contributions. You signed up. You had to pay in. But when you have that system, Samuel tells us that's foolishness and you will be destroyed. So we begin, so that we get through this a little ways, we probably won't get the whole uh, epistle of uh, to the Philippians, but we'll at least take a look at it. Paul... And Timotheus, the servants, that's that word again, that servants, those are ministers of the state, but it's the state of Christ, the, the kingdom of God, because there is another king, one Jesus. Those servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ was not his last name. That means Lord Jesus anointed. Who was anointed? David was anointed. David was Messiah. David was the Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. Whenever you see the word Christ, they're saying Jesus the King. The saints are those that are separate. Those that are called out. It's not the average people. It's the called out who are to be the liturgos, the servants of the people. Now, you had servants of the people. You have, you have people today that say they're servants of the people. But their salaries are based on forced offerings. The, the money they give out, the free benefits that they give out really aren't so free because they're based on forced offerings. Christ was talking about a government based on free will offerings, voluntarism. This is what Christ was preaching. If you're not doing that, you're not following Christ. I don't care what words you say. (laughs) That's just not what Christ said to do. You had to do this by charity. 
by free will offerings. So that it's really hard for a lot of people to get because they think they're already saved. They already know Jesus and they had this emotional feeling and they go to the church and it makes them feel good. And they think, well, I'm a Christian because I say I love Christ. But the Christ you love has to be the real Christ. It has to be the whole Christ and nothing but the Christ. It can't be a different Christ than the one preached by Paul. We see Paul preaching this Christ. Bishops are overseer. Deacons are actually ministers of ten. They aren't elders. They may be elders. Elders are heads of family. Deacons are ministers of ten. Bishops are also really ministers of ten too, but they're usually the ministers of ten deacons. Deacons would be the minister of ten families. But the deacons and bishops are a part of the church. They operate as a part of the church. This body appointed, the body of the church appointed by Jesus Christ. It is separate. Some people say, oh, we don't need church anymore. And I know why you say that, because you look out there at the churches of the world, where, you know, all those ministers, they, you know, they tickle ears and they love filthy lucre and they're, a lot of them are getting in trouble for molesting and cheating and, and all those things. Well, that's not the real church. You can't be that and be the real church. You know, they, they create a human corporation and they say, well, we're the church. You know, we're the Episcopalians, we're this. No, the, the real church are those that are in compliant with Christ and they are the ones who are the corporation of Christ. They're not the corporation of the state. They're separate from the state. Very important to remember. So we get down in verse 3. You know, also I, I point out really quick, from God our Father, he points out the word Father, that would be Patronus, our Patri, and of course Augustus, which means Savior, also Octavius, who was Augustus, the Imperator, Commander-in-Chief, he was also called Father, our Father who art in Rome. He had a table that you could eat at with free bread. And healthcare. And they had all those things. But that table was set by forced offerings. And the table of Christ was set by free will offerings. So the table, by eating at the table of Christ rather than the table of Caesar, you were in the process of being set free. You were also in the process of putting on the full armor of God. And if you're not in that process, you're not actually seeking Christ. If you're not willing to see what I just told you, then you haven't really repented. You're still thinking the same way as Caesar, that it's okay to take care of the needy by forcing the contributions from those you think ought to contribute. That's not Christ. That's Caesar. That's not the Christ preached by Paul. So anyway, we go back to verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship. We have a link to an article on fellowship. You have to understand what fellowship is. It really is about communion. It's about sharing. But in the gospel, from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work, in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus anointing. Jesus' anointing. That's actually what he's talking about. Anointing you. He understands that this is a process. A good work 
in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It takes a while to turn around and depend entirely upon faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty. Because we have gone so far away from the kingdom, it's hard for people to get back that way. It's hard for them to even imagine that you used to, in this country, we used to take care of all the social welfare rather well. It was amazingly well. And we had prosperity at every corner because we did it. We took care of the needy of society through faith, hope, and charity. And it was done mostly through the churches, but also many other philanthropic organizations and even the militia, as I was talking about, militia building schools with their own hands and their own labor and their own effort. They set aside land that, you know, okay, we're going to build a community. We're going to set aside some land just for education. And, you know, they took the trees down there and built log, small log cabins. There was supposed to be a school within walking distance of every single community. That was the plan. Uh, like I said before, Jefferson wanted to make it an actual law in Virginia and wrote it up. But they couldn't pass the law because they were doing it already. They didn't need it. You wouldn't need Obamacare if you were Christians. The Amish don't need Obamacare. They wrote it in that the Amish are automatically exempt. Why? Because they're doing it already. You're supposed to be doing it. If you're not doing it, you're not following Christ. Because Christ and the early Christians, they were doing it. So, you know, if you want to do, just do it. Just do it. Do what Christ actually said. If you want to be considered a Christian by me, I mean, that's not important. You want to be considered a Christian by Christ. But he says many will say they're Christians. Show me all kinds of things they've done, but I'm actually going to say get you from me, you workers of iniquity. Because they actually weren't doing it. That's why we're always trying to show you what Christ in the early church was doing. So you can start doing it too. Even as it is meet for me... To think this of you all because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are partakers of my grace. For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Now, that... People don't understand now. He's under arrest in Rome. He had a lawsuit brought against him by the Pharisees and Jews that were not Christians because he had signed up with the Christians and was doing what the Christians were doing, which were mostly Jews, doing what the Christians were doing, which was taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. And so, therefore, people seeing them receiving contributions of people who used to send them the contributions, they said, these guys are subverting funds. They don't have any right to do this. They're, they're some sort of renegade group, and we have to stop them. And they took this case before Agrippa and Festus. He won his case. He won his argument. But he appealed to Rome anyway, and they said, don't, don't do that. That's, that's going to endanger you if you do that. He said, no. Don't tell me that. I have to do this. Why was he doing it? Because all across the Roman Empire knew that Paul had appealed the case of Christians, these Jews who were following Christ. He had appealed their case to Rome, to Caesar himself. Nobody wanted to touch that case while that case was pending. All the time he was under house arrest 
and actually you could walk around the town, he could walk around that area of the town anywhere he wanted. But all the time that he was under that restriction, waiting for his trial with Caesar, nobody would try those Christians. There was some persecution, but it offered a grace of protection to everybody. And that's what he's writing about. He's telling that in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, which is the gospel of the kingdom, that we have a right to do this in pure, uh, perfect law of liberty, in pure religion, taking care of one another. We have that right to do. You have the right to do that in the United States right now. But you have decided to go the way of force and sign up with the men who call themselves benefactors but force the contributions of their neighbor. Contrary to the Christ, you did this on the watch of the modern day apostate church. They're in apostasy. It was predicted that they would believe a lie. That they would come to the point of believing a lie. Now you have to decide in your own heart, individually, if you're going to turn around and walk away from that lie and start headed towards the kingdom. Start doing what Christ actually said. Verse 9. And this I pray that you, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Your love, your charity. You know, the same word we see translated love is also translated charity. And, and over and over again, and Paul, when he says it, it's almost always translated charity. When Christ says it, it's almost always translated love. But he wants your charity, your love for one another to abound more and more in knowledge, in understanding, and in judgment. And actually what you do. You actually have to be actually taking care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society. You can't just say, oh yeah, I, I love you, but I don't want to actually do anything for you. <laughs> I just want to sit in the pew, listen to music, go home, and feel like I have done something. You know, they even call it a worship service. It's not worship. It's not service. Unless it's actually service and doing what Christ said. That's That's how you worship Christ. You pay homage by doing what Christ said. You say, oh, you know, he's my king. But if you need anything, you go to the other kings of the earth. The fathers of the earth. No, 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 no. You can't get away with that. Christ's not going to like that. I'm just warning you. Heads up. Christ's not going to like that. Get you from me, you workers of iniquity. You said, Lord, Lord, but you didn't do what I said. That That's not going to count. He tells you this in parables. He tells you this right out, flat out fact. Peter confirms it. But your modern minister says, no, you get to do both. You get to pray to men who exercise authority and take away from your neighbors. But that's not what Christ says. So, you know, you got a lot of repenting to do. But anyway, how do you repent? Well, that's, that's something we talk about all the time. Join the network, find out. That, ye, when you join the network, there's no dues. You don't have to pay anything. You just have to show up and sit down in the tens, hundreds, of thousands. That's the living network. Joining the email group, you haven't joined the network. You just joined the email group. And we have email groups all over the world. Whatever country you're in, there's an email group that covers that country. And you can join it. We actually have people in a single congregation from three different countries. <laughs> and it's up to you guys to fill in the gaps. we got a guy in South Africa. got a guy in New Zealand. got a guy in Australia and other people. You have to, You have to do it. Don't wait for other people to do it. You gotta do it. This salvation is an individual walk. 
you can supposed to come together in that walk, but that's an individual operation with a process between you and God. That ye may approve things that are excellent. That ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Why did Jesus take the kingdom away from the Pharisees? Because the Corban of the Pharisees was making the word of God to none effect. And he was going to take it away from them because they were not bearing fruit. If you operate by force to provide for the needy of your society, like social estates, you will actually divide the very bonds that keep people together as a strong community. They won't care about one another. They just care about their benefits. You know, they may have their pet peeve, you know, like right now we talked about, you know, everybody's worried about the right to bear arms in Virginia. And I, I talked to a guy in Oregon uh, when I wrote an article for News with Views, and, and he says, well, as long as I have my right to bear arms, that's, that's what we need. No, that's not what you need. Yeah, you you probably don't even really have a right to bear arms, depending on, you know, you read our articles on, does a Christian have a right to bear arms? Uh, you should have a right to bear arms, but you may be losing that because they're eating at the wrong table. But, uh, you can argue that, and the point is, is that you have to care about your neighbor's rights. Not just his right to bear arms, his right not to be forced vaccinated, his right to teach his children at home, his right to take care of his neighbor, his right to take care of his family, the right to practice pure religion. Pure religion is doing all the things that welfare does, but doing it through free will offerings. You should be signed up like the Amish with a system of free religion, pure religion. And then you wouldn't have to sign up with the state to be a part of their religion. But you have. And your parents have. You're all cursed with that bondage. And you're all cursed with the debt that goes along with it. Which is climbing at a rapid rate. So understanding. You you are not without offense. <laughs> He's talking to the Philippians. Who are without offense. You can't say that. You can repent and turn around. And then. Fulfill the fruits of righteousness, which comes from taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, rather than fealty and force and violence, which are by Jesus Christ. That's the way he operates, unto the glory and the praise of God. That's what we need to be doing. And uh, uh, see, the, well, actually, I'm going to have to come back and uh, I should go and check my actual copy here. See if I got this right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. Um, anyway, I think we're at a break time. Yeah, right at a break time. And then we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And we're in verse 12. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Because he was in Rome now. He's preaching the gospel to others just like Justin the Martyr was writing the emperor of Rome, Antonius Pius, who was the the uh, guy who was going to train in Marcus Aurelius. Now, Marcus Aurelius warred against the Christians. He really knew he didn't have a case, but he didn't like Christians. He was a great guy, had a lot of great ideas, great leadership, uh, uh 
I don't know if you could call him the Trump of his day. That Trump is a little bit different. But the reality was he, he was really popular with a lot of people uh, because he got rid of a lot of corruption. But he didn't like Christians. Why? Because Christians were doing something different. And then, of course, by 200 A.D., eventually they outlawed Christianity in North Africa. But, of course, by then, emperors, they were dividing emperors more and more. I mean, there were times of unrest during this period of early Christianity where there was like uh, six different emperors in the same year. <laughs> they were they were rolling them over pretty fast. And, and the corruption that we see coming up in the world today, the swamp, as they call it, is going to lend itself to that kind of bizarre uh, behavior in history. But history will repeat itself, and we will see things decay and crumble, as we're actually already seeing for those who have eyes to see. But Paul was now in a position where even the hard things, his arrest and everything, was furtherance to the gospel. Lots of people were, he, he was getting <laughs> kind of on Facebook and in the news because of who he was. And people were hearing this idea. And there, a lot of people who can hear this were saying, you know, this actually makes sense. That And it, it's relatively cheap. All it is is sitting down and organizing ourselves. Something that was common amongst the early Americans. They organized themselves in ten groups. They had the tithings. And they organized, organized themselves. They picked a, a guy who would be the, kind of their leader. And then he got together with ten other guys or nine other guys like himself. And then they eventually ended up with a brigadier general of a militia, which was an all-voluntary force. They weren't getting a wage. They weren't getting a salary. They weren't appointed from the top down. They were appointed from the bottom up because they organized themselves. And they didn't do it just so they could carry guns around in the woods. They did it to strengthen the community. They had a nobler cause. And that's what you need. And you need to do that religiously. We use that word religiously as if you're doing it automatically, regularly. And that's what the kingdom was all about. These Christians had to do... It was going to be a matter of survival because Rome was going to continue. You know, they had... A few good emperors that came in there and kind of organized things. He got rid of some corruption and everything. But then, lo and behold, he would get old and die and there'd be a new guy come along. And you always had more. When you Once you've created those offices of power, men who seek power will seek those offices. And they will constantly be corrupted or being or corrupting those offices. And, and we see this greater and greater going on right now. For those of you who can look behind the curtain of CNN and MSNBC, if you can look behind those curtains, you can actually see this going on. You need to understand what Christ is telling them so that you can actually start becoming a Christian and doing what Christ and the early Christians were doing because they survived and thrived the decline of the Roman Empire. I'm not sure you're going to do that even though you want your Second Amendment right. You know, you have to take it a step further. And the Constitution is not your salvation. Fine document. Inadequate when it comes to a biblical document. And we show that in a whole book. Another book that we put free online for those who want to take the time to read it. With hundreds of footnotes so you can see for yourself. But anyway, back to this. If we were in... Uh, let's see, well, I think we were in, uh, well, let's go to verse 13. It's worth reading again. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the uh, palace and in all other places. The palace, why? Because he's actually living at a palace. <laughs> when he was 
uh, in prison in Rome, he wasn't under ball and chain. He, that the king of Great Britain was in that same palace. His daughter was in that same palace. Her husband, who was a relative of of Paul, was in that same palace. <laughs> they had hundreds of servants. And they're talking to people from Great Britain all the time. He's kind of under house arrest. You have to, we tell all about this. You go study. We have recordings on Paul and, and, uh, Romans. If you go read our, uh, all the study on Romans, you can see all this, what was really going on. So he's saying, in all the palace. That's where he's held present. <laughs> in the dungeon of the palace. No, in the palace. He's walking around. He's voluntarily taking this case to Caesar. Now, there are a lot of people didn't like this. And a lot of people aren't going to like what I'm saying. But this is where you got to be going if you're seeking the kingdom of Christ. We're at the John the Baptist stage. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness to turn around and make straight the way of the Lord. You don't know what the straight way is because your preachers are not teaching you. Now, hopefully some of them will repent and start seeking the kingdom. But I don't know. It's up to you and God to, to get this word out. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds. That's what he's telling you. By his bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Because his case is pending before Caesar. Nobody wants to try a Christian with the case pending before Caesar. If Caesar rules against them, they're in trouble. They, so, he's telling you why he went to Rome. I've told this to other people back when we were studying Romans, and they're going like, I'd never heard that. Well, because you didn't hear it, don't make it so. <laughs> it, just because you didn't hear it, doesn't mean it's not true. Here's verification, right there. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy. And strife, and some also of goodwill. So there's different motivation for people coming to Christ and preaching Christ. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds. In other words, they're not really doing what Christ said to do. See, I get in trouble. If I mention His Holy Church, people say, oh, I don't want to have anything to do with church. Why? Because so many people calling themselves the church are not doing what Christ said to do. I don't, what if I don't believe in Jesus? Well, you probably don't know Jesus. Or maybe you're just a, you like being a worker of iniquity. I don't know. But all these fake churches, false churches, churches that fall short of the gospel, preach a Christ other than the Christ that we see very clearly in the Bible for those who have eyes to see. That makes my job difficult because I mention church and everybody goes like, oh, I don't want to talk religion. I want to talk about Social Security benefits. <laughs> that is religion. Social Security is public religion in the kingdom of the world. Christianity is private religion in the public religion of the kingdom of God. <laughs> Different government. We don't operate like they operate. So, you know, you get the picture. I don't know. It's hard for people to get this. A lot of people have to listen over and over again because we're serving meat. And sometimes you got to chew on the meat a little bit before you figure out what the heck is going before you swallow it. That's fine. Go ahead and chew. But we've got lots to chew on down here <laughs> preparing you and at His Holy Church for those who want to know the whole truth. So, some indeed preach Christ even 
of envy and strife. Don't want to be those guys. The one preach Christ of contention. You don't want to be that guy. Not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, making my life difficult, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. He's defending the fact that the kingdom of God is at hand. Christ appointed a kingdom to his called out ministers. And all those people who go to get that religion are not in the bondage and snare of the world through these covetous practices of public religion that had come along in Rome. Now, Rome didn't always have that public religion by forced offerings. It rose to greatness because it used to have a public religion based on free will offerings, just like Israel used to have. Herod went to forced offerings. You signed up and you had forced offerings. Augustus Caesar did the same thing. He got a lot of the support for those forced offerings from guys he defeated like Brutus and the other guys, when he defeated those guys, extremely wealthy guys, who got wealthy following the perfect law of liberty, but now he takes all their goods, chattels, and choses, and actions, all their lands and property, he gives it to his men, just like it says in Samuel, he gives it to the guys who supported him, and you go farther and farther into bondage. Now, you have to do this down there on the grassroots level, in congregations of ten fifties, hundreds, and thousands, like Christ commanded, Christ commanded, and then you will be on the road going a different direction. And it's all about direction. And that's what he's telling you in defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Because these are the guys doing it by love. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. For I know this shall turn to my salvation, he says. He's, what they do, what they, because he had killed Christians. And this, by putting his life, laying down his life for Christians, this was to his salvation. Not that he's earning it. But he is now letting the Holy Spirit come into his heart because he's following in the ways of Christ, which includes sacrifice. You, you, if you're not sacrificing in a daily ministration to take care of the needy of your society, you're not making room for Christ in your heart. You're just saying, Lord, Lord, but you're not doing the will of the Father. And people who say you don't have to do anything, you don't have to do anything to earn it, but you have to do something to get the grace. Just like you have to forgive to be forgiven. According to my earnest expectations and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be life or by death. In other words, that's how the Holy Spirit comes in as you actually do the will of the Father. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. To lose. To lay down my life, then I pick up my life more abundant. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet, what I shall choose, I wot not. He's not gonna, not my will, but thine. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better 
Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He had to be there because it was going to be helpful to you. Because while he was there, he gave protection by his circumstance to all the other people seeking to be Christians. Nobody was going to try to try them in any great numbers as long as his trial was pending before Caesar. So that's what he's, he's, he's telling that it was, he, he needed to be there for them and he was willing to make that sacrifice. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. This joy of faith. Living by faith instead of living by force. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me. By my coming to you again. He wants to come to them again. Only let your conversation be. Conversation. That's a word we'll have to look at if we have time. But I want to get down here to verse 30. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And whether I come and see you. Or else by absent. I may hear of your affairs. That word affairs. That ye stand fast in one spirit and one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity instead of force, fear, and violence. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. And... And nothing terrified by your adversaries. Not terrified by your adversaries. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ. Not only to believe on him. But also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which ye saw in me. And now here to be in me. So, here to be in me, because I'm writing you about it. I'm telling you about it. So, anyway, that's that first chapter. And I said that there was a word in here that that we were coming across. Let's see if I can remember exactly where that was. Uh, Verse 27. And so, I have to go to verse 27 (laughs) and find out where that's at. And I don't know, unless I'm trying to watch the clock here. See, we, we got a little bit of time. And verse 27 where he says, nevertheless, uh, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, which is the gospel of the kingdom. So what is that word conversation? That word conversation has to do, it's, it's, it only appears a couple times in the Bible. And they translate it, live. And they also translate it, let one's conversation be. That's the way they translate it. But the actual definition of the word is to be a citizen. <laughs> let your citizenship be in heaven. That's what he's talking about, which he talks about in other places as well. That it is defined, further defined as to administer civil affairs, manage the state, to make or create a citizen. He just puts that word in there. Now, the King James doesn't translate it citizen. They say Paul was a citizen of Rome. And I talked about that this morning. Many times we have lots of recordings on it. Paul was not a citizen of Rome. All centurions automatically got citizenship of Rome. 
the head cohort would have automatically got citizenship of Rome long before he became the head cohort. But yet when Paul is about to be scourged in the administrative court of Rome, as a, as, a, as a Roman almost, not a citizen of Rome, he says, I am Romeos. Is it lawful to scourge somebody who is Romeos? You have to understand the laws of the time. Nobody teaches you these things, except for me. <laughs> you can find it other places. Like I say, we have hundreds and hundreds of footnotes, so you can go check it out yourself. Paul was Romeos, which is the Greek word for whole. The the head of the court was also Romeos. But he wasn't Romeos because he was a centurion or the head of the court. He had to pay a great sum. He tells you that right in the text. He had to pay, pay a great sum for this freedom of being whole. Free from what? Administrative courts. You don't even know what an administrative court is. Most of you. Some of you do because you've been listening for a while. Some of you may have done some homework on your own. But most people don't know the difference in the courts. I was raised in the courts. My father was an attorney. He took me to work with him sometimes. Not all the time, but I, I went with, in many cases when he went out of town, keeping company or what. He was trying to get me to be a lawyer, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Long story there, I won't go into all that. But it, it was good because it gave me insight into how things worked. And then when I started writing my books, I took it to my dad. And, uh, you know, he was retired at the time. And I said... You know, he wrote law books. I mean, he, he understood the law. And he, I said, take a look at this. And he reads it and it took him three hours to get to just the first chapter. <laughs> Cause I know he was in there looking stuff up. But, uh, he came back and he said, I was right. That's chapter one of the book Covenants of the Gods. He said, I was right. But what he said next was more important to me because I, it was that I was, I was really right. Because he said, you're right, but they're not going to like you. (laughs) Why? Because I'm telling you the truth. And the truth is power. But it's only power if you pick up the truth and act according to the truth. That What Christ is teaching you how to deal with is to be a citizen of heaven. To conduct yourselves according to the administrative civil affairs of the kingdom of God. Which doesn't have, when I say civil affairs, you think, oh, well, not like it. You're talking about government. You know, I'm not talking about force government. I'm talking about voluntarism. I'm not talking about anybody exercising authority one over the other. That's forbidden to us by Christ out of his own mouth right there in the King James Bible. It is not to be that way with us. I'm not up on a pedestal talking to you. I'm not up in a podium talking to you. I'm on a little stool out in the middle of the desert talking to you, telling you, you need to think differently about the gospel of the kingdom of God. You need to think differently about Christ. And I know you're not thinking right about Christ because most of you aren't doing what Christ said. Most of you preachers out there are not preaching what Christ said to do. You need to repent. And when you repent, I will know you repented, not because you tell me you repented, but because I see the fruits of repentance. I see you sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, caring not only about your congregation, but the next congregation as much as you care about your congregation. If you are not taking the time to be concerned about their welfare on the other side of the planet, like I said, we have people in South Africa, we have people in Australia, we have people... In uh, New Zealand, we have uh, 
and, and the truth is, when I say we have people, we don't have them. We don't want you to belong to the church. We want you to belong to Christ. We know it's an individual walk. But it's an individual walk that should lead you together with one another and stop dividing. There is not a thousand denominations. There is one denominator in the church. And that is Christ. And if you're not doing what Christ said, you're not the church of Christ. You're not His church. That's not a corporate name. That's a description of His corporation. His corporation is one of spirit and of truth. The spirit come forth. The spirit giveth life. Not the contract. That the spirit that is supposed to be dwelling in you. He can't dwell in you unless you start walking the ways Christ said to walk. You need to turn around and start walking the way Christ said to walk. He commanded that we make you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Which ten you sit in, that's your job. Figure out. Who you pick as minister, that's your job. You figure out. And you need to watch that minister to make sure that minister is gathering together with ten other ministers. Otherwise, you're just an isolated little congregation. You're not at the kingdom. The kingdom is tens, fifties, hundreds, thousands, ten thousands, hundred thousands. But you're dry bones scattered in a valley of corruption. You want those bones to come together. I am breathing out the Spirit of God. He is breathing out his spirit upon the land. But evil is here too. You need to come together because God is moving you together. If it isn't God moving you together, I don't want to have any part of it. But it's up to you to move. The bones move together based on the spirit that dwelleth in them. Do you care about others as much as you care about yourself? Sitting in the pew isn't the other. You have to come together as the joints of a body. The connecting joints of a body. As elders of a body. The elder is the head of the family. The family is not a member of the church. The general congregation of the people, they're not a member of the church. They're the, they're the ones the church is supposed to serve. The church is supposed to be called out and belong to God. The, the congregation of the people are free assemblies. They walk, hopefully, in the spirit of God. We're not trying to bind you up in another religion where you, you know, like you have some churches, you can't leave the church. Well, I can tell you this, the public religion of the world, which is social security or national insurance, whatever you're at, whatever country you're in, that's public religion. That's how you take care of the needy of your society. That is how you perform your duty when you are forced to pay in. If you don't pay in, you haven't performed your duty. They can actually punish you for not contributing. You can't actually leave their system. You can't leave it now because you're in debt. A lot of people think, they, well, I signed these papers and I can leave the system. Nonsense. What about the debt? You know, you, there's a debt created. You, and it's a real debt because you got real stuff. Free education. They took care of your parents. You can't just leave. You have to account for that debt. I mean, you can leave, but you're just a runaway slave. They catch you. They get to beat you. <laughs> so... You need to think these things out. Now, if somebody wants to argue this or debate this, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you on the show. You know, get a hold of us through the network and, and we'll debate it. I'm not just going to take blank calls because there are too many trolls out there. And people don't like to hear this. Evil does not want to hear this message. 
Evil does not want you to hear this message. Evil does not want you to repent. Those who have power don't want you to know the ways of Christ. That's why they don't teach you the ways of Christ. They want to keep you subject to them, tithing to them, uh, uh, tribute to them. I want you to love one another. And that is the gospel of the kingdom. And if you're not doing it, you're, you're not saved. Now, you can't do enough to get saved. You're going to still be saved by grace. But you need to be going... James said this. Paul said this. If you're doing these other things, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. You're, Jesus said it. You're workers of iniquity. Let's see if you can't repent, turn around and go the other way. But until you do, I want to say peace on your house and may God be with you. So I have to find my outro. Okay, here we go. So... Uh, Join the network and we'll see you there. Bye. Good. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.